This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's go to Jonah chapter number 3 and verse number 10 this morning. Jonah chapter number 3 and verse number 10. The Bible said, And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. Chapter 3 ends on a glorious tone. Jonah, the disobedient prophet, who is now uh, after a time in the a belly of the whale uh, goes to Nineveh and preaches the message that God gave him and the people turn away from their sin and they turn back to the Lord. And the Bible says that God uh, is merciful to them. The Bible says that he repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them. This means that God, excuse me, God had responded to the response of the people. The Bible tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That means that the Lord who is merciful, and the Bible tells us that his mercies endure forever. He takes no pleasure in the destruction of the wicked. And God is not in the heavens just waiting to beat somebody over the head with a club. No, God is a merciful, loving God who is offering grace and mercy to all who will repent and believe. And so here we find that after Jonah delivered the message, the people responded. Oh, what a note of glory you would imagine. But that is not the response that Jonah had. Notice in chapter 4 in verse number 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. For it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. The Lord God prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd, but God prepared a worm. When the morning rose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah that he fainted and wished in himself to die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. 
Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle? I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number one, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. I want to speak to you on this subject. Jonah was very angry. Let's pray together. Our fathers, we come into your presence today. As we come from our homes, as we come from whatever place we may be gathered together to watch and join together through the live stream. We pray that the Holy Spirit would have our full attention. Fathers, we think of Jonah and he was an angry man in chapter number four. We understand that we live in a, an angry world. We live in a divided world. We live in an issue-driven world. But we are not of this world. We are citizens of a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so wherever we may be gathered this morning, I pray that by your spirit and through your word, you would speak to us, your people. Help us to hear your voice as we live in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, as we deal with such complex issues. God, I pray that you would have us to hear your voice. I pray for those who do not know you as their Savior, that you would draw them to yourself and that they would be saved. And I pray that during this unplanned time when we are uh, in a position that we certainly did not want to be in. I pray that during this time you would strengthen your church, strengthen this church, protect us, and lead us forward for the grace and mercy of God and the glory of God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us that Jonah was very angry. And the reason he was angry was because the, the people of Nineveh repented and God repented of the judgment that he was going to carry out upon them. We live in a world where there are many, many people who have many ideas about how God should act. We hear it all the time. People who do not believe in God will make statements about the Lord that if, if he were such a good and loving God, why does he allow such suffering? Why does he allow such evil and such wickedness? And oftentimes those who know him as their savior, we place upon God an expectation. We place upon God uh, our, our, our thoughts our ideas of how he should act and how he should respond. We make judgments about the things that God should do. 
And then when God does not do the things that we judge he should do. Oftentimes we're tempted to despair or to be discouraged or even in this case to be so displeased with God that we would become angry. The Bible reminds us in the book of Isaiah chapter number 55 and verse number 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. <clears throat> you see, we live in a world that wants to project upon God the thoughts of man, the ideas of man, the trends of humanity, where we are perhaps in our culture or in what is now termed as social justice. These are things that are ever-changing in the hearts and minds of men, of sinful men. And God reminds us that he is eternal and he is immutable. That means he does not change and he is holy and he is right and he is just. And the Lord says, when you look at your ways and then you compare them to my ways, there's one thing you need to understand. You cannot begin to comprehend my ways, my thoughts, because we're fallen creatures. We're sinners. We're imperfect we're unstable in all of our ways. The Bible says there is none that seeketh after God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is the condition of humanity. And oftentimes because of that condition, when we yield ourselves and our minds to our whims and our fancies and our darkened ideas of how things ought to be, and we examine those things in the light of God's dealings with humanity and with us, we can become, as Jonah, angry. Now, I want us to see three things, and I hope you'll write them down and we'll note them together that we find in this passage, beginning in chapter 3 and verse 10 and going through the end of the book. First of all, we see the repentant people, the repentant people. Remember the Bible says in verse number 10, and God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he said that he would do unto them and he did it not. Now God was bringing judgment upon Nineveh. 40 days and I will destroy this city. That was the message that God gave to Jonah. 40 days. And judgment is coming upon Nineveh. It was a wicked city, as we've noted earlier. It was a violent city, an immoral city, an idolatrous city. And yet God says, I'm going to give you 40 days. I'm going to give you a warning that judgment is coming. And here's a group of people, this city of Nineveh, the Assyrian people, who when they heard the message, the Bible says in chapter 3 and verse 5, so the people of Nineveh believed God. When they heard the message of God, they believed the message of God and they responded by repenting, by turning from their wickedness and turning to God. The Bible says in verse 5, they proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them. They humbled themselves. They fasted. 
They neglected their own bodies. They humbled themselves before a holy God. Even the king was involved. The Bible says in verse 6, For word came into the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and covered him with sackcloth, and set in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hand. Now notice in verse 9, here's the word of the king. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? Here are people who placed themselves in the hands of God. They turned from their iniquity. When confronted with the truth, when confronted with the warning of judgment, what did they do? They turned from their iniquity and they turned to God. These are repentant people. And when they repented, God extended mercy and grace to them. And maybe you're watching this morning and you don't know the Lord Jesus as your Savior and you've gone on in your obstinance and your self-will. You've denied Him. You've cursed Him. You've mocked Him. You've done everything you could to displease Him. I want you to know that God takes no pleasure in the judgment that awaits a lost sinner and that God loves you. And He sent one greater than Jonah, the Lord Jesus Christ, he sent him to this earth, the Son of God, to live a righteous, sinless life, to suffer, bleed, and die on the cross of Calvary, to make the payment for your sin. And he arose the third day to give eternal life to all who will believe. And all that's necessary for you to receive that eternal life is to confess that you're a sinner and to turn to Jesus, the Son of God, and call upon him, and he will save you. Here we see the people of Nineveh extended or received rather the grace and mercy that God extended the repentant people. I want you to see a second thing and that is the passionate prophet. The passionate prophet. Notice as we read together in verse one, the Bible said, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry. We see the question that God offered or the Lord asked in verse number four. Then said the Lord, doest thou well to be angry? The Bible tells us in verse five that Jonah went out of the city. He sat on the east side of the city. There made him a booth and sat under the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. In verse number, six, uh, verse number six, at the close of the verse, the Bible said that Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. In verse number nine, after the gourd had withered, the Lord says to him in verse nine, doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And he said, I do well to be angry. Here we find a range of emotions. That's just like us. We have a range of emotions. These emotions came to Jonah all in the same 24-hour period. Anger, bitterness, resentment, joy, rejoicing, anger, bitterness, and resentment. Here's a man who was passionate, but his passions were misguided. And God is dealing with Jonah in his passion. Notice how Jonah responded to the revival that took place in Nineveh. It displeased him. 
It displeased him exceedingly, and he was very angry. Now, I can tell you that oftentimes as a pastor, as a preacher, I'll preach messages, and I don't think I've ever been displeased by someone who has responded. No, I'm always happy. In fact, the truth of the matter is I've been often displeased by a perceived lack of response. But I can't imagine that I would be uh, displeased by seeing a response. And I don't believe any evangelist, any prophet had a greater response to any message than Jonah had when he went to Nineveh and he said 40 days and God will destroy the city and the entire city of repented and, and, and turned to God and the king led the revival and people repented and God's mercy was extended. Doesn't that sound like it would be a time of great rejoicing? Absolutely it does. But there's no rejoicing. Not on the part of Jonah. He's angry. He's displeased. And he's pouting. And he goes outside the city angry with God, he leaves behind an entire city of repentant people. And he goes outside the city angry with God, waiting to see if God will still destroy them. He was a passionate man, but his passions were misguided. In his anger, as Matthew Henry notes, <clears throat> he had so little government of himself in other words, he could not rule his own spirit. The Bible tells us in the book of, of the Proverbs that a man, who cannot, uh, a man who can rule his spirit is greater than a city that's protected by great walls, impenetrable walls. If you can learn to rule your spirit. Here's a man who had no rule over his spirit. Here's a man, as Matthew Henry noted, who had little reverence of God. He had little reverence for God. The God that he served, the God that I believe he loved. But yet when God did a work, he was irreverent toward God. And then thirdly, he had so little affection for the men of Nineveh and the people of Nineveh as to be, as to be displeased and angry at their conversion and their reception into divine favor. Can you imagine? Here he is having preached this message and seen the greatest response perhaps of all times, and he's angry with God. He has no rule over his spirit. He has no reverence for God. How is it that we can get to such a situation? Well, it is, again, as I said earlier, it's when we impose upon God our ideas and our prescribed notions to how God needs to act in this world. If I were God, this is what I would do. We hear so many people who say something very similar to that in their criticism of who he is or in their uh, frustration of how that he has not worked, perhaps according to their plan. And that is exactly what Jonah is dealing with. He is a man of great passion, but his passion is misguided. And so in his passion, in his anger, what does he do? He prays. Notice the prayer that he offers again in verse 2. And he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God 
and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil? In other words, he's saying, Lord, this is exactly what I thought would happen, and this is exactly why I ran uh, to Tarshish when you told me in the beginning to go to Nineveh. I knew this is what would happen because I know who you are. I know that you're a gracious God. I know that you're a merciful God. I know that you're slow to anger. I know that you exhibit great kindness. And I know that if people will repent, then you too will respond to them with mercy. And so he prays. He prays. Warren Wiersbe noted concerning this prayer, he said he prayed his best prayer in the worst place. That was the fish's belly. You remember that prayer? We looked at it in chapter 2. And he prayed his worst prayer in the best place. That was in Nineveh after the revival. He prays this selfish, petulant prayer. Wiersbe goes on to say his first prayer came from a broken heart, but his second prayer came from an angry heart. In his first prayer, he asked God to save him, but in his second prayer, he asked God to take his life. Once again, Jonah would rather die than not have his own way. That's such a sharp, penetrating statement, isn't it? So many of us are like that. I'd rather die than not have my way. It starts in infancy and festers throughout youth and adulthood. May God help us not to be so selfish and so insistent upon our own way. Now, what do we notice that Jonah was passionate about? Well, perhaps he's passionate about his own reputation. Here he is, a prophet of Israel, and he is going to Nineveh. And remember, the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were the enemies of Israel. They were the cruel, harsh, hated enemies of the Israelites. And yet God is sending Jonah to that city to preach the the message of God's judgment and God's mercy And Jonah thought to himself, I don't want to be the man who brings them to repentance. Or perhaps Jonah thought, I'm bringing the message of judgment and God's not judging them. He's having mercy upon them. And so he was passionate about his own reputation. That's one of the the snares in ministry. That's one of the snares that trips up so many church members in Christian service is we're too concerned about our own reputation when we need to learn to die to self and be concerned about God's honor and God's glory and God's reputation. He was passionate also about his own people. Uh, He was passionate about the Israelites. Here he's going to the enemy, an enemy who will one day march in and, and overthrow the Israelites and carry them away captive. He is going uh, to preach to them. These are the national enemies of his people. And so he does not, out of his sense of patriotism and national pride, he does not uh, joy over the repentance of a perceived enemy. Not only that, but his own people were not repenting. Jonah had prophesied to his people and they were still consumed in their idolatry. They were still consumed in their sin. And now God calls him not to his own people, but to go to another people and to preach to them. And then Jonah sees them turn from their iniquity and from their sin. And so he's jealous over his own people. 
So he was passionate about his reputation. He was passionate about his people. He was passionate about his own comfort. Now, he could have stayed in the city. In fact, nowhere in the scripture do we find where God commanded that he go out of the city. Think of the opportunity he left behind in that city. An entire city had turned to God. Jonah could have stayed in that city and rejoiced with those people. Jonah could have stayed in that city and taken the Old Testament scriptures and taught the people of Nineveh about the truths of God and taught them how to live their lives and how to function and how to put faith in God and how to live according to God's laws. He had that opportunity, but he didn't take it. By the way, there are so many opportunities that God gives to us and to our families. If we'll stay in obedience to God, if we'll stay in the family of God, time after time, people have gotten disenchanted and displeased and they've, they've left a church, a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church over some petty thing and it's caused great damage. And while they've went outside the city and sat on the hill and left behind the fellowship of God's people, they have stewed in their bitterness and their resentment and their disappointment and they've been angry at God. I implore you not to make that mistake. I implore you not to make that error. You see, Jonah left the city. And he went outside the city. And he was just hoping that maybe God would still bring judgment. He wanted to see. So he gets on the side of a hill to watch what God will do. Angry at God. Upset with God with no concern for the people he left behind. And the Bible says that he builds a shelter. Notice in verse 5, the Bible says, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till they might see what would become of the city. He was concerned about his own comfort. You see, the Lord prepared, the Bible says, a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head. This vine, this plant came up overnight. It grew rapidly and it grew up over this shelter that Jonah had built and it provided shade for him from the hot sun. And the Bible says that Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. You see, here's something Jonah was passionate about, his own comfort. It wasn't about souls. It wasn't about the purpose of God. It was about his comfort. Matthew Henry says, persons of strong passions, as they are apt to be cast down with a trifle that crosses them, so are they apt to be lifted up with a trifle that pleases them. In other words, Jonah upset because people are repenting. He gets downcast. He's frustrated. He's angry. But then something small, just a little vine growing up out of the ground that, that Obviously, isn't little. It grows to great heights to provide shelter for him. That pleases him. His, his whole entire outlook changes. You see, he's passionate about his own comfort. And so many of us are, aren't we? If we have an inconvenience, if we have a problem, if we have a difficulty, we get angry. We get upset. Our mood changes. The way we respond to our spouse, the way we respond to our children, the way we respond in our church. The way we respond to the lost who do not know the Lord can all change when our passions are misguided if our comfort is disrupted. 
May God help us. We're spoiled, pampered people. And so was Jonah. Henry also says what we are over fond of when we have it, we are apt to over grieve when we lose it. And we may see our folly in both. You see, the Lord prepared a worm in verse 7. And when the morning arose the next day, and it smote the gourd that it withered, and it came to pass when the sun did rise, that God prepared a vehement east wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, that he fainted and wished in himself to die, and said, It is better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry for the gourd? And Jonah said, I do well to be angry, even unto death. You see, he was passionate about his own comfort. He was passionate about a gourd that grew overnight and brought him delight and brought him comfort. But notice what he was not compassionate for. He was not compassionate for the people of Nineveh, and he was not passionate for the for, for the purposes of God. He had no passion in pleasing God and submitting to the will of God. And so we see this passionate prophet. His passion was misguided. And oh, how we learn a valuable lesson from him. Because oftentimes our passions are misguided. The thing that brings us comfort becomes the most important thing to us. Our own reputation, our own ideas, our own people, our own family, our own church is more important to us than God's plan and God's purposes for this world. We see finally in this text the gracious God. We see the repentant people, we see the passionate prophet, and then we see the gracious God. Notice Again, the prayer that is given in verse number two when Jonah prayed. The Bible said, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore, I fled before Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Lord, I knew, I know your character. I know who you are. I knew you had let him off the hook. <laughs> but what he forgot is how that God had let him off the hook. And by the way, God doesn't let any of us off the hook. There's a price that was paid to extend mercy to us. That was the price of the Son of God who gave his life for us and shed his blood for us. You see, he took the judgment of Nineveh. He took the judgment of Jonah. And he took your judgment and mine. And he bore it upon the cross of Calvary so that you and I could receive grace from this gracious God. He said, well, I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful. Grace is imparting to us that which we do not deserve. The Ninevites didn't deserve an opportunity to respond. They, didn't, they did not deserve a 40-day uh, warning. But nevertheless, God gave it to them. And by the way, you and I don't deserve the opportunities that we've had to hear the message of the gospel, to respond to the Lord Jesus. We don't deserve the grace that he has extended to us time and time again in the midst of our difficulties and trials, but yet God imparts that grace to us. And where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. 
Thou art a gracious God and merciful. Merciful. Mercy is withholding that which we do deserve. What is it that we as sinners deserve? Death. We deserve death. We deserve judgment. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us that the wages of that sin is death. It's an eternal judgment in an awful place called hell. A place of torment and a place of suffering. That is what we in our rebellion and in our sinfulness, our enmity toward God deserve. But God is merciful to those who will call upon him. And he will withhold that judgment that we deserve. He's slow to anger. In other words, God does not get angry quickly. He's not quick-tempered. So many of us are. And God is not quick-tempered. In other words, he does not execute judgment upon someone without opportunities for mercy, without opportunities for grace, without a careful measurement of his justice. He is slow to anger. If it were up to you and I, oftentimes there would be people who would be suffering because we deemed them worthy to suffer in our instability and in our emotion and in our wrath and our anger. But God is not that way. Of great kindness. Jonah said, you're a God of great kindness God is a kind God. We live in a hate-filled world, an unkind world, and in an, an, an uncivil world. But our God is a great God full of kindness, and God's people should be full of kindness. The kindest people you should ever meet on this planet are the people who congregate and worship the Lord. And may God fill our hearts with kindness and repentance thee of evil. He's a gracious God. Now, I want you to notice here, he demonstrated his grace to the people of Nineveh. Notice in verse 10 of chapter number 4. The Lord here is dealing with Jonah in his wrath. He said, Then said the Lord, Thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored, neither madest it to grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. Here we find that God demonstrated his grace to the people of Nineveh. Now, he says to Jonah, he says, Jonah, you're angry, you're upset because the gourd has been destroyed. Now, God prepared this gourd, and the gourd grew, and then the worm came, the worm that the Lord prepared, and that worm bit into the gourd, perhaps at the roots, and... Uh, poisoned that vine and it withered and Jonah the Bible said had pity on the gourd he was upset that the gourd had died he valued that gourd more than the people of Nineveh he valued his comfort more than the people of Nineveh and the Lord said thou hast had pity on the gourd for which thou hast not labored in other words Jonah you didn't plant that gourd you didn't do anything to make it come up I brought it up. You didn't make it grow. It came up in a night, and it perished in the night. It was only here for just a moment, Jonah. 
But notice in verse number 11, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, that's 120,000 people, who cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. Bible commentators tell us that the Lord is referring to the children of Nineveh here. The children who have not grown up yet to be able to tell you what is the right and what is the left. I remember in school, very early in school, uh, our teachers uh, teaching us the difference between our right hand and our left hand. And being able to discern that. And so God is referring to the innocent children of the city of Nineveh who had done no wrong and had no opportunity as of yet to learn about him or to sin against him or to sin against the nation of Israel and uh, the, the people that were Jonah's people. And he said, Jonah, you have more compassion on a plant that rose up overnight you had nothing to do with than you do these people. But what you need to understand is that these people are here because I created them. You didn't make the, you didn't make the gourd but I made the people. And the gourd came up in the night and was gone in the night. But these people have been here for ages. These are people that I love. Aren't you glad we serve a God who loves all people? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That's God's plan. But have everlasting life. He said, you didn't labor for it, but I labored for these people. I made them, I formed them of the dust of the ground and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. I've loved them. They're more valuable than any gourd. And they need an opportunity to repent. And so God demonstrated his grace to the people of Nineveh. And by the way, there's a world out here there's a world out here of souls that are perishing. And may God help us. May God touch our hearts. May God fill us with the right passion. And, and, and may he remove the wrong passion from us to give us a burden to please him and to go after these lost people who so desperately need Jesus. Think of these 120,000 children. Think of the animals. Imagine that. God has pity and mercy on the animals. They tell us that during the Welsh Revival, when the miners went through the Welsh Revival, they came out of the mines, went to the meetings, they got saved, gloriously saved. There were animals working down in the mines. They were called the pit ponies, the little horses that helped pull uh, the, the coal out of the mines. And those animals were so used to being abused by the miners that once the regenerate miners went back into the pit, back into the mine, the ponies didn't know how to respond. God has so changed those men. Those animals had, had become so conditioned to the cruelty and hatred and the mistreatment of those men. They didn't know how to respond to them once God changed them. You see, God is a loving, merciful God, a compassionate God. And he demonstrates his grace to the people of Nineveh. But not only that, he demonstrated his grace to the prophet of Israel. And God continues to demonstrate his grace to me. 
he continues to demonstrate his grace to our church. He continues perhaps this morning as you're watching to demonstrate his grace to you. You see, we find that God was not only working to bring the Ninevites to repentance, God is working to bring Jonah to repentance. Because Jonah, though he's a prophet, he's a backslidden prophet. And Jonah, though he knows the scriptures, really seemingly misunderstood God's purposes. And though Jonah knows the law, he knows little of God's grace and mercy. And so may the Lord help us this morning as he helped this prophet. In chapter 1, Wiersbe tell us, tells us that Jonah learned the lesson of God's providence and patience. He learned that you can't run from God. Uh, some of you are running from God. I, I don't want to be obedient to God. I, I want to go a different direction. I, I, I don't want to be in his presence. I want to get out of his presence. And Jonah learned that you can't run from God. God will run, for, run after you. He'll send the wind. He'll send the storm. He knows exactly where you are. He'll send the fish. You see, God in his dealings here with Jonah, in his pursuit of Jonah, he used a lot of things. For example, he used the wind to send the storm. He used the whale to swallow him once he fell into the sea. Here in chapter number four, he used this weed to provide shelter, but then he used the worm to devour the weed. And then he used a vehement east wind. That wind intensified the heat. It didn't bring any comfort. It wasn't a nice breeze. It was a vehement east wind. It intensified the heat of the sun to beat upon Jonah's head so that God could deal with him. You see, God used the weed, the whale, the worm, the wind. And God knows how to use those things in our lives to teach us his providence and his patience. In chapter 2, in the belly of the whale, what did he learn? He learned God's pardon. He'd sinned against God. He'd been disobedient. He deserved judgment, but God delivered him. He learned God's pardon. In chapter 3, he learned God's power. He proclaimed the message that God gave him to proclaim. And what God did through that message was conquer that city. No army had been able to conquer that city. Israel had not been able to defeat them. But just one message humbled the entire city and brought them to God. He saw God's power. Now, here in chapter 4, he has to learn God's pity. God's passion, his compassion for lost sinners. And God wants to teach us this lesson, this lesson of grace, this lesson of mercy and extending mercy and grace to a lost and dying world. I'm going to be honest with you as you watch the news of the day and, and you get caught up sometimes with the reports of the media and all the posts on social media and all the enmity and, and, and all the hatred and all the strife that's coming from people who profess to know the Lord, let alone those who don't. It's easy. It's a great temptation for you and I to be consumed with that and respond in that spirit. 
but that's not who God is, and that is not the character that we should reflect. Notice again, verse 10 and 11. Then said the Lord, thou hast had pity on the gourd, for the which thou hast not labored. Neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left, and also much cattle. And that's where it ends. We have no more record of Jonah's response. We last see him on the hill, angry and bitter, and confronted by the Lord. I wonder how he responded as he went back to his home in Galilee. What did God do in his heart? And perhaps God leaves it there because that's where you and I have to decide. Not how Jonah responded, but how we will respond. How will we respond to the Lord? Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.